the state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at an historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laugh as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. My name is Ben, and I'd like to welcome back one of my favorite people ever. Folks, let's say hi to Noel Brown. Wait a minute, what? Was you I were gone? gone? Oh, you're right, I was gone. I felt really rough about that. It was, I realized it was the first time that I had had to be out of a Ridiculous History episode. We do another show together. Folks may know stuff they don't want you to know, or we're graced with... Matt Frederick. So being out of that one's not a big deal. I can play hooky occasionally from that one, but not this one, my friend. Not this one. Well, you were sorely missed, and we have so much to catch up on about the Black Plague in Norway. And then, oh, and also a uh, shout out to our super producer, Casey Pegram, who was with us. He was there the whole time. Mm-hmm. Casey, what was what was that other one we did with uh, Christopher Hasiotis? Oh, God, Ben, this is the worst question because we never remember what we did <laughs> 10 minutes ago. That's true. Uh, we had the Black Plague, and then we had the Grifter, princess. the Grifter, right? The princess. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yes, the Grifter princess. princess. Susanna, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I saw the emails. I was CC'd on those emails. So you remember the episode that you did do better, <laughs> yeah. uh, or at least uh, with more clarity than we did. Well, folks, never fear. As we said, uh, Noel was on some adventures, uh, some stuff uh, will be revealed in time. Uh, Very glad to have you back, my guy. I'm really glad to be back. And I want to say, when I said I can't be absent from this show, neither one of us can, well, that's not entirely true because we have the wonderful, incredible, very smart and uh, well-spoken Christopher Hasiotis Mm -hmm. who stepped in uh, beautifully. And I'm so appreciative that he was able to do that and I was able to uh, have my adventures and and guilt-free for the most part. And he's uh, he's not only hilarious, but that guy's got a jawline for days. He's got like a like a Thor Avengers jawline. Boy, does he ever! And a fantastic <laughs> haircut and really good taste in food. <laughs> I hope you're hearing this, Christopher. Yeah, it is true, though. He professionally speaking has great taste in food. I wanna I wanna get something air air out something right now before we sure. get started in the yeah, show. Yeah. Um, there was a little bit of a Facebook message thread that was going on between me and Christopher yesterday mm-hmm. um, about the movie Mandy. I chimed in on a discussion about one of the episodes you guys did, I believe it was the Black Plague one, mm-hmm. because Christopher said that he absolutely hated Mandy and he thought did. it was a terrible movie. And then uh, he actually, in a later exchange, texted me. They titled it Mandy, but a better name would have been, Man, these are 100 minutes of my life I'll never get back. Wow. Yeah, so I chimed in on the thread and said, You're dead to me, Christopher Hasiotis. Mm. You're dead, all caps. Um, and then I wanted to clarify that he's not actually dead to me. That's just a movie that I kind of go to bat for kind of a lot on what this are you talking and other about? shows. We're on the same page. I'm, I'm one of the people who got it 
it in no, no. the theaters here. Exactly. You know? I know yeah. for sure. And I know you I, I know you're on my team, you're on team Mandy, but it's a, it's a hill that I tend to die on cuz a lot of people that movie was not for everybody, but uh, apparently not for our boy Christopher, but I will not hold it against him and he is in fact not dead to me, but very much alive. We're very much on the same page about things, Noel. I like that you're picking up a uh, hill to die on. I I've been using that uh, for a few months and I want it to be back in uh, popular parlance. Well, you are what they call an arbiter of culture and language, my friend. An so, arbiter? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. I think I just get obsessed with things. I've also been going through this phase where I'm somewhat obsessed or I'm fascinated with hoaxes. I'm going through a hoax thing. You like a good hoax, No. Who doesn't like a good hoax, Ben? <laughs> People who get hoaxed. Everybody Monsters, else loves it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, where does our story take us today? We are traveling to France. We are traveling to France, not in these our modern days, but in the late summer of 1785, where Europe is gripped by a scandal. Everybody is watching the news. This is a thank God there's no Twitter moment, right? Yeah, if I'm trying to bring anything back or at least make something happen, it's pronouncing the word scandal as scandal. And this was one of those, to be sure. Uh, This involved a couple of important things. Uh, One, at the center of this scandal, was a diamond necklace of absolutely immeasurable value. Well, it it was measurable, but it was pretty massive because it contained uh, something in the neighborhood of 650 stones, and it weighed 2,800 carats, which is a, a weight, as it turns out. I guess I didn't quite realize that, Ben. So you, you, it's not just gold that no, comes in carrots? No, it's emeralds, rubies, precious stones, pearls as well. Nowadays, when you hear a carrot, it was a bit loosey-goosey back in the glory days of the late 1700s. But nowadays, a carrot is about 200 milligrams. And by about, I mean exactly 200 milligrams. And what kind of, what were the stones in question in this particular piece of uh, ostentatious jewelry? Diamonds. Diamonds, buddy. All diamonds. You got to shine. You got to sparkle. You got to snap, crackle, pop. If you're royalty, you go to diamonds. And this diamond, made by the crown jewelers, Bomer and Bassange, had gone missing. Missing, you say? Missing, I say. Was there some sort of heist? Or how, how, does, a, how does a piece of jewelry of such price go missing? They say, we have sold this to Marie Antoinette through an intermediary, the Cardinal de Rohan. She denies any involvement, uh, Marie, that is. And everybody knew she hated the Cardinal. She thought he was a real pill. She never would have made him her intermediary or used him as some kind of go-between, right? No. And he denies this. It's like Sheryl Crow picking us to deliver her next guitar or something. Now, we made nice with Sheryl. We, I love Sheryl Crow. I love Sheryl Crow. Have I yeah. talked about how much I love the bongos on Every Day is a Winding Road? I think that is um, a really, really important use of bongos in popular music. I think she's a brilliant songwriter, yeah. and I wish she would stop sending so much hate mail. It's really, it's really getting out of control, Cheryl. But anyway, they had Maui Antoinette and the Cardinal de Rohan had this, had this kind of ridiculous history, Sheryl Crow thing. And the question was, why would Maui have asked the cardinal, to act on her behalf. Oh, and I got it wrong. Ron did not deny it. <laughs> Quite the opposite. He claimed to have had written uh, in the queen's own hand uh, a letter instructing him to carry out this uh, transaction. And she, you know, she publicly despised the guy, and she said that she wasn't involved. But now he's saying he has, as you said, no, written documentation. And he doubled down on this, right? He he said also, furthermore, a year ago, not only did she did she write and sign this contract for sale that is in my possession, but a year before that, she met me in secret at Versailles. In the Garden of Versailles, it's true. Why all the cloak and daggery, Ben? Why all the clandestineness? Lay it on me, man. Why? Well, here's the thing. Um, it caught the imagination of the public. It became like this kind of, this this whole affair involving this necklace became this like almost theatrical kind of charade, right? Uh, but here's the thing. It had real consequences that resonated through the French Revolution. Absolutely. We should introduce another character here in this story. So... We've got our players. We've got Marie Antoinette and we've got Cardinal Rohan. 
the Grand Almoner of France. Almoner? Almoner. Oh, okay. It, not that fun. A-L-M-O-N-E-R. <laughs> I thought he was just like a proprietor of like tasty almonds. He's in charge of all the almonds in France. You know, every every single one goes through him. And at the time, fun fact, ridiculous historians, uh, you know how barbers were also qualified to be surgeons, people in charge of almonds were also qualified to be in charge of diamonds because they're both sort of small and stone-like. I think qualified is probably a strong word. Qualified is, But yeah. I see where you're going with this, <laughs> yeah. Ben. So let's, so let's lay it out here. Let's, let's lay out the players up to this point. We, you just did, did the two yeah. main ones. We also have the, uh, the jewelers, Bomer and mm-hmm. Bassange, who kind of take a back seat. Uh, there's a really great article about this. Uh, it's called The Necklace That Cost Marie Antoinette her life. Mm, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was in the Telegraph. And in it, they talk about how from his place of exile on St. Helena, Napoleon um, actually kind of weighed in on this uh, after Marie Antoinette met her untimely demise. Spoiler alert, she dies. It's true. Yeah, it's in the movie. Um, uh, The queen's death, he said, must be dated from the diamond necklace trial. Mm. So Cardinal de Rohan was desperately trying to get into Marie Antoinette's inner circle. And the problem with this was that Marie's mother had warned her not to mess with Cardinal de Rohan. So it was sort of like that Justin Bieber song, My Mama Don't Like You and She Likes Everyone. Exactly. Exactly like that. (laughs) It was exactly like that. And he was struggling. He He had been caught making fun of Marie Antoinette in 1771 it was it was literally like he made a funny meme about her and that got to back to her so she swore never to speak to him again and he thought his career was over he thought he would never get a shot at chief minister which is the position he really wanted until that is he met another character one of the pivotal characters in today's story and Although her name is Jean, as far as I can say it, I, I, I've got to defer to you, Casey. How do we pronounce her title? Uh, it would actually be Jeanne, because she's got two N's and an E. Jeanne Comtesse de la Motte-Valois. De la Motte-Valois. We'll just call her Jean. Jean. Is that okay? All right, we'll call her Jean. Jean. <laughs> Jean? Like a, like a Jean sound. An un. Jean, un. yeah, yeah. Jean. Like, uh, like Jean d'Arc or something. All right. Casey on the case. Big time. Uh, but yeah, I'm never, we're never, I'm never going to be able to repeat any of that. So Jeanne, <laughs> from here, from here on, yes, she was descended from an illegitimate branch of the Valois family, the royal family, and this was the dynasty that came before the Bourbons. And she had a terrible childhood. Her father was a hardcore alcoholic. Her mother totally ghosted on her. She was taken in by an aristocratic family outside of Paris. But then she came back when she was an adult to Champagne, and she was intent on getting her family land back. And then that plan fell through. Uh, She married a guy named Nicolas de la Motte. They went to Paris to try to get people to back them up, and it didn't really work. They got uh, more and more destitute. And her ambition to establish herself as legitimate seemed uh, worse and worse and worse. So she is in dire straits as well when she meets Cardinal Rohan. Yeah, it's true. And this becomes a real turning point uh, when she meets Rohan. Um, He was kind of into her and didn't really have any problem um, showing that. He gave her money, and it's very likely that they became lovers despite his I guess vow of celibacy, right? Isn't that a thing for a cardinal? Isn't that a no-no? I mean, uh, you know, it's like everybody is supposed to use turn signals. That's also true. Uh, and jaywalking is technically a crime. He told her that in order to restore her uh, patrimony, um, that she needed to go directly to the queen. But, as we said earlier, the queen was not a fan of, of Rohan. Uh, he was sort of like a little finger type character. You know, he was, he was very considered kind of slimy and backstabbing by her because of his talking out of school. And um, so this was not necessarily going to be something that he could help uh, his new young lady friend with mm-hmm. because he really had no pull. Right, right. He had, no, he had no juice, no suction, as they say in The Wire. So— Sean, we can only imagine, says, you know what this plan needs to really, to really 
just make it pop is a little bit of uh, theatricality, right? Let's let's go to the theater with it. So she waits in the mirrored gallery of Versailles on Candlemas in 1784, and when the queen walks by, Jean swoons, and she is clutching her petition to get her land restored to her chest, and she's hoping that the queen will see her fall out, you know, and and that she will say, oh, no, who is this beautiful, uh, put-upon, fainting woman, and how can I help her? So she she essentially, she fakes fainting, and the queen walks right by and never asks who fainted. But this is not what she tells the cardinal. Instead, she tells her lover, the cardinal, that the queen had taken pity on her, had noticed, and that they had become BFFs. Biffles? Mm-hmm, that they had become best friends forever. Biffles. And uh, Marie Antoinette was the kind of person who had this track record. It was totally within her M.O. to find and, and sort of adopt people. And she was somewhat reclusive despite this. So a lot of the people in court didn't really know her day-to-day circle of friends. And so now the tables have turned. Now the cardinal is begging Jean to broker some kind of, I guess, peace agreement with the queen. You know, like, sorry about that meme. Sorry you found that funny note about you I was passing around. Let's be cool. And she agreed. And there was an increasing uh, correspondence between the cardinal and Moi. And the queen promised, apparently, that he would eventually be prime minister. Hey, Noel. Have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. (laughs) Well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts of a spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right, Noel. It's, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. 
$45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Okay, there's a lot going on here. There's I a wanna, lot. I want to take a little aside, just because I, I was looking into this while you were talking. Yeah, yeah. Um, Candlemas. It's a holiday that I was not familiar with. Uh, that is the day in which this original meeting took place. Um, and it has a fantastic extended name. First of all, it is the name of the Christian holy day, wherein Mary and Joseph, 40 days after the birth of Jesus, uh, brought him to the temple to be purified and, uh, de- you know, the rites of purification, dedication performed on him. And that's something that is in the Torah uh, as, as necessary. And then that is actually described in the book of Leviticus 12, one through four, but the extended name of Candlemas is the Feast of the Presentation of Our Lord Jesus Christ and the Feast of the Purification of the Blessed Virgin Mary. That's it. That's all I got. So where are we at now, Ben? There's a lot going on here. I just wanted to take a little breath uh, so we can collect ourselves. Well, we should also mention that an almoner, while, while we're at definitions, is just one who distributes alms, so one who distributes money to the poor not almond-related. But yes, yes, so uh, back to this correspondence. The problem is this correspondence that the cardinal believes is going very, very well is all coming to him via Jean. Uh, She is dictating the letters to a local, um, they would call him a stationer at the time, uh, like a stationary owner, someone who writes letters professionally, She's telling this guy what to write, and the cardinal is desperate. He's like, oh, you know, enough of this. Clearly, we get along. I can't wait to be your prime minister. I'm going to do such a wonderful job. Let's meet in person. Let's meet IRL. But the queen always says, it's not quite the right moment for me to talk to the king about this. Just just you hold on. You hold on. And the cardinal is becoming less and less patient, and Jean is saying— I got to get some sort of situation where this guy at least feels like he's met the queen. Oh, by the way, she's still married. She's sleeping with this dude. Yeah. But she's still married to this other guy. A man of the cloth. Mm-hmm. She's sleeping with a man of the cloth. Which and cloth is that, by the almoner. way? Is that the thing that goes around the neck? Is that the cloth or is the cloth like uh, the robe? There's, there, there's a lot of cloth there. Man. I know. That, that probably weirds you out, doesn't it? You're not a fan of cloth. No, I'm okay with You know, I'm okay with cloth. I like a good costume. Oh, wait a minute. I'm not thinking. I'm thinking of our, our mutual friend Frank. He's the one that doesn't like cloth and like like fabricy feelings. He's got a cotton thing. Cotton thing. That's yeah. it. You're you're more of the metal. Metal cardboard. Cardboard. Phone calls. Any any material. Um. So yeah. No. She needed him to feel like he had had audience with the queen, and that's where. Uh, and if, unless I'm mistaken, Ben, we get our. Marie Antoinette doppelganger or uh, impersonator entering the picture. That's right. That's right. So her scallywag soldier husband, Nicholas, comes to her with an idea. I've been hanging around in the Palais Royal, and I've been being kind of louche. You guys remember? I finally got a chance to use louche again. You trying to make louche happen, Ben? Louche. I'm not it's, trying oh, it's, to. It's happening. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to do things, man. Yoda style. This is just happening. And while he's there, he meets a sex worker named Nicole Leguay. Uh, She is blonde, blue-eyed, and physically, you know, she looks like the queen. She resembles her. He visits her. He gets to know her. You know what I mean? Like carnally? Well. Is it that kind of establishment, Ben? Is it that kind of place? Well, eventually, eventually he uh, he's he's been hanging out with her, and he introduces her to his wife. Let's also not forget that this was. I mean, it's you can't forget. This is a time where, unless you saw the queen, if you saw the queen in person, it was going to be from from a distance, mm-hmm. and most likely the closest thing you'd ever get to actually seeing the queen would be some sort of paint painting painted facsimile, right, or a little cameo, a little cameo on, or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's no proliferation of digital images or even photography, right? So he introduces his friend to his wife. This is my friend, Nicole, Nicole Michon. And uh, don't you think she looks like the queen? What do you think, honey? This is why I've been hanging out with her, because I'm helping you. I'm doing this for us. Exactly. And so Jean takes to Nicole, 
and we have a quote wherein she is convincing Nicole to take part in some sort of plan involving the queen. So this is what Jean says to uh, her pal, Nicole. She says, quote, I have the queen's confidence. She and I are as close as two fingers of a hand. That's a... That's an interesting one. I'm going to try to bring that back and make that happen. Um, yeah, and then she goes on to say, she has just given me new proof of this in charging me to find a person who could do something that will be explained when the time comes. Wow, that is very vague. Super vague. Super vague. So does Nicole agree out of a sense of patriotism or does she agree because she gets 15,000 francs? You know, there's no sure answer. So later that evening, they leave, and they go to the Lamotte's apartment in Versailles, and still, Sean does not explain the plan. Nicole says, okay, you're being real vague with me, sis. What's going on with the queen? I appreciate the money. Instead, Sean says, oh, it's the smallest thing in the world. Uh, you have to meet the queen, but you can't do it without a title, so Jean dubs her the, Casey, check me on this, the Baron d'Oliva. Baron d'Oliva. Oh, God, it sounds so beautiful when you say it, man. Casey's on the case. So now she has a title. Nicole has been elevated in life. Oh, and there's a funny little detail in that Telegraph article that uh, points out that that is very close to an anagram of her own surname, which is Valois. Yeah, it's sort of like uh, it's sort of like in all those films where the character who's named uh, Doctor Alucard turns out to be Dracula. Spoilers, just, just just so, just so. So now uh, Jean is is grooming Nicole and dressing her up, and she gives her a letter and she says, "Hey Nicole, I'm going to lead you to the park of the palace, and then you're going to hand this letter over." to this really snazzy dude that you'll meet there. I'm paraphrasing. She did not actually say snazzy dude. Yeah, but surely he was very well-dressed. Sure. Oh, he was all snazz. He definitely was. I like that phrase, too. All snazz. All snazz. Oh, and then there's this perfect, beautiful detail. It's just the kind of thing out of, like, a heist movie or sort of at least some kind of, you know, grand uh, caper of some sort uh, where she had to hand a rose, a red rose, over with the letter. Um, oh. And she's instructed to say to this snazzy person, this all-snazz guy, uh, he will know what this means. And the queen will be there to see how the interview goes. Uh, she'll be watching from the wings. <laughs> one, one must assume. Oh, no, no. She even goes on to say, she will speak to you later. She will be behind you. So, so this is just as reality show as it sounds, folks. This poor, poor Nicole is given this fake title, and she is literally handing a rose to a guy. No matter what he says, she's only supposed to say, you know what this means. Can you believe it? Anyway, she she is on board. She is roughly a million percent on board, hook, line, and sinker. She is all about it. She's freaked out. She's going to meet one of the most powerful people in her country, and she's in the garden, the Grove of Venus specifically. It is incredibly dark. She can't see anything. She doesn't really hear anything. She's just walking around in the dark, and she's wondering where the queen's hiding, and where's this dude, where's this all-snazz dude that she's supposed to meet? So we should backtrack ever so slightly at this delightful mm -hmm. cliffhanger yeah. uh, that you set up so beautifully, Ben. Oh, thanks, man. Um, Jean had been kind of dangling the queen, let's say, a little bit in front of Rohan. Yes, um, yeah. In terms of, you know, the possibility of him meeting her and make, making things better between them, right? Or at least mm -hmm. having him have that chance of a lifetime to, to worm his way into her inner circle. Let's be honest. This guy seems a little wormy. For weeks and weeks, she's been sort of teasing this little finger of our story. You made that comparison earlier. I quite like it. And then he would hang out, just literally loiter around Versailles, hoping to run into Marie Antoinette. And it wasn't until August 12th that he, he gets word from Jean that he can meet the queen, but he has to meet her secretly at night in the garden, essentially. And Mao Yu was not yet ready to reveal their agreement 
to the public. So he hung around, and he actually did not dress all snaz. He was dressed in all black, and he had a hat on. He was looking conspiratorial. You know what I mean? Oh, totally. It's like the period equivalent of like a trench coat and some sort of uh, right. you know, fedora. fedora. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So he's waiting around. He's like, ah, is this going to be another fruitless night of waiting? The things I do to be prime minister, he's thinking. He's probably also thinking, I have so many alms to give in the morning. And then all of a sudden, who runs up to him? Not the queen, not Nicole, but first... Sean. That's right. It's our girl, Jean, who really is a little bit almost more out little fingering the little finger of our story. Oh, for here. sure. Um, she is panting. She's out of breath. She's very upset. Uh, or at least she's flustered, at least. Maybe mm-hmm. not outright upset. But she tells him who is upset, and that's the queen. Oh, no. The queen is very upset because she so very much wanted to have this uh, encounter with Rohan. And but that's not going to be possible because the queen's sisters-in-law have kind of, I don't know, headed her off at the pass, I guess, or, you know, done a surprise walk and talk. Mm. That, you a know, surprise she, sorkin. Yeah, she couldn't get out of it. So uh, he's going to have to hang back, Rohan. Um, this is what John is telling him. And that she, the queen, plans to skedaddle out of there, you know, put in a little FaceTime and then make an excuse and then abscond off to meet secretly. To keep the meeting, but it's going to have to be quick, and it's going to be very clutch because they're hot on their heels. She doesn't want anyone to see this absurdly suspicious character because it seems like he's supposedly dressing for secrecy, but I would think he would be very suspicious-looking dressed that way. It's absolutely true. He's trying to look inconspicuous, and you know there's a point where you reach diminishing returns with dressing inconspicuous. It's very true. Trench coat fedora. He went full trench coat fedora. So the the kicker for this is that she says, don't worry, though. The queen will give you, quote, unequivocal proofs of her protection and benevolence. And he's like, okay, okay, I'm in, I'm in. So Sean leads the cardinal to this opening in a clearing, and he sees this figure, you know, sort of silhouetted in the darkness. And he also goes all in. You know, his, his heart's probably racing. He's, he's probably really freaked out. He walks to this figure, and he kneels at her feet. And she, by the way, is Nicole, right, uh, the new baron. And she is not sure what to do, so she just thrusts this rose toward him, and she kind of hides her face with her fan. And she says that she couldn't remember exactly what she said in the conversation. But the cardinal claimed that he heard her say, you may believe the past will be forgotten. So boom, there we go. It appears that for all intents and purposes, this cardinal has met the queen and the queen is good and she has appeared to back up all the fake letters that this cardinal has been receiving. And Rohan essentially just really wanted to see the queen And he saw what he wanted to see. A little bit later, he received a written request on this paper. This was always blue-bordered paper because it was from that one stationery shop. He he received a request for 60,000 francs to help an impoverished family. And again, let's remember, this guy's job is to distribute money to the poor. So he goes through with that. And then in the beginning of 1785, Another request arrives. Get this. It's ordering him to negotiate the purpose of a certain diamond necklace. That's right. Thought we forgot? No. We just set it up in a weird way. I was wondering when we were going to come back around to it myself, Ben. <laughs> I was too. So, so she gets this letter. There's a lot of backstory here, right, Noel? Yeah. Gets this letter from the queen saying, hey, set this up for me. Help me buy this necklace. And... The problem here is that these crown jewelers that we mentioned earlier, Bomer and Basenge, as you said, have been trying for years and years and years to sell this super ostentatious, extravagant, opulent necklace that had how many diamonds? Yeah, it was like pushing 650, 650 stones, 2,800 carats. Huge, huge. Again, extravagant, opulent, ostentatious, all those words, all the words. Uh, And they have been presenting this to the king and the queen turned it down and they knocked some money off the price. 
but it was still considered too much. Yeah, that was reduced to uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 1.6 million, and this is news to me, guys, livre. Which is a different currency from the franc, and that's the the franc wasn't around until 1795, so let's well, clarify that. That's right, and I think we talked about some payoffs being in francs earlier in the show. Uh, it was not a thing yet, the livre, which Casey, uh, being on the case as he tends to be, um, clued us into that. That actually means a book. Yeah, a book or a pound. Casey on the case. Thanks for saving the show, man. <laughs> Every time, just peek behind the curtain, folks. Every time we do a uh, an episode concerning the French language, now uh, we have learned we've learned to check with Casey slightly in advance so that we don't put him on the spot by saying uh, there was one episode where we said, "Hey, Casey, can you just translate this entire paragraph for us?" And he was like, "Guys, I need a little a little time." <laughs> it wasn't in modern French I'm, either. I'm not just your like French monkey, you know. <laughs> yeah. Right. Hey, Noel. Have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. (laughs) Well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool, I, yeah. I, I just remember, it was my dad's. I, I was a hand-me-down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car. And I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something, you know? I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac, yeah. Bonnevilles. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I meant I said El Camino and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it so uh the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, You know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. 
And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So you're right. It's it's very important. This is a currency. The cost is reduced. They still can't sell this because it's like it's like a gold-plated Ferrari. You know what I mean? It's it's just a lot. It's well, too much. And how much would it have taken for something to be too extravagant and expensive for the Queen of France? <laughs> right. Not exactly known <laughs> for their penny-pinching ways or, like, you know, keeping things uh, modest, right? That's true. And so Sean sees this opportunity, and she— she talks to her buddy, the cardinal, and she says, hey, will you help the queen buy this necklace? And the payment will be made in four installments over two years. And he is down to clown. He is on board. So the jewelers are overwhelmed with joy. They are elated. Someone is going to buy this. The queen is going to buy this. We're going to, yeah, we'll give you the necklace, and then you'll just pay us off in those four installments over two years. So on the uh, 1st of February, 1785, the jewelers, Bomer and Basenge, give the necklace to the cardinal. The cardinal gives it to Jean, and Jean, what does she do? Does she make four payments over two years? No. Does she Does she say, hey, I was lying to you? No. What, what does she do, Noel? She just kind of books it with the, with the <laughs> goods. You know? She's the real puppet master in this whole thing. She's the Geyser Soze. I know I say it too much, but I love that film, Usual Suspects. Check it out. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right, man. She ghosts. And then on July 12th of that year, the jewelers send a letter to the queen, Bomer specifically sends a letter to the queen and mentions the necklace. The queen doesn't know what's going on, so she just shreds her mail. What's this nonsense? <laughs> exactly. Put it right in the royal shredder, she yeah. says. Mm-hmm, that's yep. a quote mm-hmm. in her voice. And uh, and the jeweler is not getting any word, and he waits and waits and waits. And so later in August, he sends a letter to one of Marie Antoinette's ladies-in-waiting and he's like, hey, you know, not to be weird about it, but I'm I'm really surprised that you guys still owe me money for this necklace. You are, you know, your friend's the Queen of France. I don't know how to like make this not awkward. Seriously. But can you can you give me some livre? Yeah. Exactly. And this is when the uh proverbial um ish hits the fan. Mm-hmm. Uh when the lady in waiting, Madame Campan, uh takes this information back to the queen who then is like, wait a minute, something's funky here. I need an explanation. What's going on? So on August 15th, right before a mass at the Royal Chapel, Rohan receives a convocation from the king of France. Uh, Right as he was leaving, he is arrested in the Hall of Mirrors um, and he's completely flabbergasted. Everyone else is just in shock. And that is when this news of this scandal uh, was about to reach critical mass. Yes, and that is not hyperbole at all. So this becomes a huge to-do, a brouhaha, if you will. The cardinal goes before the parliament in May of 1786, and surprisingly, he's declared innocent. They track down John and her team, and they are arrested. And she, for the crime of being a con artist, is branded with a hot iron, and she's uh, the hot iron brand that she receives is a capital V, and that stands for thief in French. What's that word, Casey? Voleur. Voleur. Thief. A genuine scarlet letter. And although the queen is innocent, her reputation is tarnished. You know, she can't walk back from that. She may have won in the court of the law, but she has failed in the court of public opinion. And from that point on, she really, really wanted the absolute worst for the cardinal, for Rohan. Who she already didn't care for. Who she already didn't care for. Great point. So although the cardinal was acquitted, it didn't help that the queen of the country hated this dude. So he loses all his offices and he is exiled. And then our anti-hero of the story, Sean, 
for this this crime, this diamond hoax, is sentenced to be flogged. She's got the the hot V on her, and she is going to prison for life. At least that was her sentence. She later escapes to England and publishes <laughs> publishes a uh, hit piece on the Queen. So she doesn't really feel bad. Pretty brazen, this one, huh? Yeah, and she made it out. Uh, but the the Queen didn't make it out unscathed. No, she never really recovered from this. I mean, it's interesting because she really didn't do anything. All this stuff happened under her nose. Uh, she was used as at the center of this kind of like diamond heist as sort of like a, a patsy, <laughs> kind of a, a weird fall guy. Uh, and in, in what way was she a fall guy? Well, she, her reputation took an absolute nosedive. Not that, it, I mean, as we know, mm-hmm. already not the most popular government in terms of the incredible gulf between the rich and the poor mm-hmm. and the sense that these folks, these mucky mucks are just living it up, you know, at the hotel Versailles mm-hmm. uh, doing their thing. And the rest of the, you know, common folks are just scrapping in the streets for food. You know, it's like in Les Mis. Have you seen mm-hmm. Les Mis? It's just like that. It is. Um, yeah, but... This just cements that reputation for utter moral bankruptcy. And uh, as uh, an article in Britannica about the affair of the diamond necklace puts it, frivolity. Just this sense of the let them eat cake thing, which we know is not a real thing. But just that's what is encapsulated here in this whole affair. It's like they are so clueless, so out of touch. It's one of the – this is but one of the incidents leading up to what we call the French Revolution today. And it's strange because I, I don't know about – I don't know about you folks, but I had not heard of this. I, I, I Like many of us Mm-mm. here in the U.S. I neither. I had, I had a sort of a vague outline or chronology of the French Revolution and the transformation of its government. But I had no idea there was a diamond heist. They should be telling more people about this in school. Everybody likes a good diamond heist. Everybody likes a good hoax. That's true. And this concludes our story of the affair of the diamond necklace, or as you said earlier, Noel, the scandal. Here's my question, Ben. What's your question? How do you fence an item like that? <laughs> Don't, you go to England. You go to a different country. You sell it to another monarchy. Maybe you break it down and just sell the diamonds? That's probably what you'd have to do because surely there would be APBs out for this thing across the land. I always wonder about All over that. Europe. Yeah, I always wonder about that with art hoaxes and unique items. You know, like someone steals a priceless painting. How, how do you fence that? Where do you, who do you sell it to? Do you go on Craigslist? I don't know. I've never— I've done a lot of things in my life, but I have yet to steal and fence priceless artwork. But hey, maybe 2019's my year, man. Well, here's the thing, too. Are there, like, shadowy, you know, collectors that are the ones who are brazen enough to buy that stuff? And that's where they keep that in their secret gallery? Right, That's, yeah. like, behind, like, a bookshelf or whatever you got to walk in? There was a really interesting article I had read a few weeks back that was positing a lot of artwork we see in public museums is actually forged with the real pieces being, as you said, in secret galleries. I don't know. You think that's likely? I'm not sure, but have you seen the movie um, Can You Ever Forgive Me? I think I have. Wait, it's, what's well, it, it's with, uh, what's her name, Melissa McCarthy. It's, mm. It was pretty recent. It's about, she's like kind of a failed writer. Oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's based on a true story where and she's she, got that best friend. Who's yeah, like, uh, yeah, yeah, the British guy, whose name I'm forgetting right now, but I love him. He was in With Nail and I and some other uh, yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But her whole thing is, and this isn't a spoiler. If, if you don't want a mild spoiler about this movie, I mean, it's what the movie's about, but you don't know it right away. She ends up, you know, she's hard down on her luck, and she ends up forging letters uh, from I remember. famous yeah, 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 uh, yeah. famous dead writers and, uh, you know, socialites. And, and she's like really that. good at and it. And she's really good at it, and she gets the wit and all of that down. That's the same with, like, being able to forge a work of art, right? You have to really nail it. It's more than just making a copy. You almost have to have, like, the soul of the artist and be able to copy that. I would watch, I would watch The Affair of the Diamond Necklace were it a film. And speaking of films— let us know what are some of your favorite heist films. What are some of your favorite stories of uh, <laughs> uh, appalling opulence from uh, various royal families of time gone by? Uh, let us know. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram. You can hang out with our favorite part of the show, uh, your fellow listeners, on our Facebook page, 
Ridiculous Historians. That's the one. That's Took the one. Second. Yeah, the one we were talking about at the top of the show where you can follow uh, the beef between me and Christopher Hasiotis about whether or not Mandy's a good film. Is that what you guys were talking on? It is. Wait, why doesn't I saw what he, I saw him on it? I saw he said that he would watch it again, but it's like the thing is, I went to so much trouble trying to get this to play at the plaza. He didn't even go. Well, he didn't like it. He hated the movie. He, he literally just wrote to me. Episode, I told him about this beef. I said, this beef is now Ridiculous History canon. And he goes, episode 132, the time Noel Brown revealed how historically wrong he was about Mandy. And, wow. and now I've got uh, I've got an ally in this fight for Mandy. I mean, you, you were there all along, Ben, but I think we need to we need to sit down with Christopher and, and set the record straight. You know, I'm going to I'm going to be Sweden on this. I've never let someone else's opinion of a film interfere with how I feel about it. So oh, ab- I'm not going to Absolutely not, but he's really doubling down on this. I bet. don't negotiate with terrorists. He's borderline uh, entering character assassination territory. I did not negotiate with terrorists. That's fair. Was that like a JFK voice, kind of? Or? No, that's just, that's my real voice. Okay, got it. <laughs> but yeah, if you want to follow this uh, ongoing saga, check us out on Ridiculous Historians on Facebook. Um, if you want to check us out on Instagram, we mainly just post like new episodes and stuff. But if you want to check out me and Ben's personal exploits, you can follow me at Embryonic Insider. And you can follow me at Ben Bolin. Currently, I am snacking on... Uh, pizzerias, or I'm about to because this is one of my favorite long gone chips, and I think I just found a way to get a bag. Ben, I, 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 when I heard you say that, you said snacking on pizzerias. I was picturing you like like eating like all the pizza available. And well, and the pizzeria. building, and yes. the building, yeah, like the stone, the benches. So you're, you're sort of like one. Of, what's that French guy who ate all the things? I think I think he ate a baby. I don't know anybody who eats babies. I don't know. You don't know about this? No. Uh, there's a Brazilian guy who, you know what? We should save this. This is a story for another day. Hey, I just want to point out, I Googled French guy who ate a baby. Uh, his name was Terrar, and he was born in rural France near Lyon in 1772, and his whole thing was he would eat anything. He was actually hospitalized in a psychiatric ward where it is conjectured that he possibly ate a baby. Well, there's also, this goes back to the the super the super stomachs, right? The super eaters. That's right. There's a guy in Brazil who's done the same thing. And we're not talking about the survivors of the crash in the Andes, uh, you know, the basis or the inspiration for the movie Alive. All right. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon Waterways can go where the big ships can only dream through winding passageways of rolling vineyards and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wooden! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Su. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.